Good morning, everyone. Okay, so we are looking at, uh, uh, I believe, in the resurrection. Um, and we will be, there is a slide available, I'm going to read together. But I'm going to mute my mic. You know why? English is my second language. If I read with you, it makes chaos. Yeah, so my family knows that very well because I just jump out, in, out, and people scratch their heads. And uh, so I'm going to reading, mute mic, but I'll be reading with you. Are you okay? So that means your sounds needs to be loud and clear because mic sound won't be coming out. Okay? That's fine. This is the struggle of people from different cultural backgrounds. English is a nice language, but scary sometimes, okay? Okay, I, I hope you understood my English. Let's uh, read together. Let me look at the mute mic. That challenge is passed. You know, I can preach now. Okay. Brilliant. It's exciting to see what has, God has been doing in our lives through this series. Especially last week, I was really encouraged, you know. So it's a, especially different people posting on different places and what God has been doing on the back of Chris' preach about forgiveness. And this is not like an information topic and it just, okay, these are the five points we learn. But actually, Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12 says, the word of God is living and active. It is it's going to bring life, restoration, healing, change perspective, sharpen some of the edges, take it down some of the edges, bring us to unity, reconciliation, you name it. It's something very specific for you. But if you stand back and look collectively, the work of God, knowing each one of us this morning, and when you allow your heart to, to be under His Lordship, it is going to be breathtaking. Are you excited about that? So that's come with an expectation. God, your word is living and active and it's sharper than double-edged sword and it's going to do your work. I'm coming before the Lord who knows me inside out. I don't need to hide anything. That should be a comfort to all of us. I'm sitting, coming in the midst of a God who knows me very, very well more than my friends, families, wife, or husband, or children, or anyone else. And he can bring that amazing work. If you ask, if you go to the street and ask a question to people, it's getting tougher and tougher. Do you know Jesus? They might give you different answers based on their understanding. Some people say, yeah, he was a good man. He was a religious teacher. Some people say, was he a rock band leader or something? Don't be surprised to hear that, you know. Uh, did he, who is that? I heard about Jesus as a swear word, but actually, I thought that's some sort of myth, you know. Some people, uh, uh, some sort of sect 
in the in, in there they do something. Now some people say, yes, he was a good man. He was a moral teacher. Then he apparently died. Then a bunch of Christians gave him a special position, and he was exalted with the special. And now uh, he's uh, in heaven or something, you know. So he's coming back. But, but by the way, I'm not religious. Have you heard about that? Yeah. That's we hear, and it will be really shocking to hear, especially if you're born and brought in a Christian family, and if your heritage is Christian, and if you hear that kind of response, you will be shocked. What? You don't know Jesus? Because you read Bible every day, and you experience God's love. So if you go to the community, you will hear Religion 101, 101, Christianity 101, then Da Vinci Code, put together and make a cocktail. That's the version people know about Jesus. But I want to look at some of the key things, and I'm going to go to move forward. Can we really, really believe the resurrection of Jesus? Why do we believe that? I'll go to some of the historical context. I'm not going to spend there too much time because there are important things coming down later. The textual evidence is a key, key, key factor of anything we go and check. Okay? So if something happened, 9-11 is one of the things, or some of the things happened there. Or uh, after 200 years, if you're talking about COVID, and people may not even understand black death, you, we never lived there. What do we you know, go back and check. Can we go and talk to someone living at that time? We can't try and travel. Unfortunately, we are not Doctor Who's. You know, so it's an impossible task. Where do we go? We go back to the historical, reliable evidence, and that's the place we go. For us as Christians, we go to the Bible because we know that it is reliable, it's tested, it passed all the tests faced by all kind of religious persecutions to kings and queens and uh, cultures. It's been going and going and going and going and growing and growing. The most printed book ever in the history, even right now, is Bible. The most translated book in the history is Bible because it's, it's not because uh, lots of Christians are some sort of bunch of idiots. They don't know. All the people have a better IQ. We don't have a, you know, it's a good IQ. That's the reason why oh, they are reading this book called Bible. That's not the reason. See, says Gallic War was written about 50 BC. And there are 10 surviving manuscripts available. Livy's history of Rome has only 20. Tacitus, histories and annals only written in AD 100, only two copies available. But if you look at the scripture, there, are, there is a long list available. But if you go back to the scripture, the Bible, there are 5,800 manuscripts available fully or partially right now. And we believe all these historical things happen in the history on the basis of two copies or three copies or ten copies or eighty copies or eight hundred copies. And we still believe that happened in the history. But when it's coming to the resurrection, the death the miraculous birth of Jesus and what he done and he rose again. And all these things are not mythical things. These are written, recorded by both Christians and Jewish historians and non-Christians and people from different background and culture recorded that. That means it has more strength than anything else in the whole universe. But that's not the reason we believe. This is an argument for people they don't believe in the scripture. Not only that, the resurrection of Jesus was recorded in the four gospel, and the key witness of this resurrection, of this great, amazing event, was 
testified by women. At that time, in a paternalistic society, even you can take a, a woman to a court as a witness. That testimony is not valid. If I was really, I was writing the book, I would have been eliminated at that time because, goodness me, this is the worst thing to add at that time because nobody's going to believe. But Bible didn't do that. It's clearly written in the scripture, it was witnessed by women. It was witnessed by women. The resurrection of Jesus was witnessed by women. That means that really happened. That is the context of the scripture. And Matthew wrote about this one only 30 years after, you know. It's not like uh, other things written after 100 years or 200 years or 300 years. It's a fresh evidence. Eyewitness were living at that time and it was writ uh, uh, writ uh, written. Not only that, there are lots of people where witness his resurrection uh, and uh, Jesus appeared to them. And when Matthew and Luke and other people were writing, eyewitnesses were available to clarify. If they wrote anything dodgy, it would have been challenged straight away. Wait a minute, that never happened. If you ask, COVID never happened. Oh, goodness me, you can feel it. If I write a book about Second World never happened, how many of you lived the First World War? Is anyone in this group? Now, but do you believe that? Did you see it? Did you witness it? You were there? No. We believe because of the historical things, and there is an ongoing testimony there from the historical facts, and people also communicate that one. And Jesus appeared to 500 people in different times and different spaces, so eyewitness were available. One of the interesting thing is uh, when we go to Matthew um, uh, 28, uh, uh, 17, this is Jesus coming and just uh, seeing uh, the disciples uh, face to face. Oh, Catherine, can you just pass me my Bible, please? So after that, he was risen from the dead and uh, then he came. So, if you look at uh, uh, Matthew 28, verse 17, thank you. This is the last. Then the twelve disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is not a crowd. Who is this? The disciples, the apostles, chosen one. What is the next verse says? But some doubted. Oh, goodness me. Matthew, you could have avoided that. For goodness sake. But a man rose from the dead. He's standing in front of his dearest disciples and revealing himself. What else he could do? Still they doubted. I don't know what else. What else you need disciples to believe? Even after all these things, even after seeing face to face, after poking him, Touching him, putting the hole through the, his hands, and uh, even they saw that Jesus was uh, eating fish. You know, Jesus was pescatarian. Oh, no. He was not Presbyterian. He was pescatarian, you know. He was eating fish. It's not like a magical fish from there, and when he was eating, he was just disappeared. Oh, where is that one? He was literally eating fish. Even after that, I never noticed that they doubted. So then think about in a culture of skepticism, 
in a culture, people there don't want to believe things. People want to walk in freedom. What do you expect unless God opens people's hearts and minds? Jewish people, Jews did believe in resurrection. They were the people living with their expectation everyone is going to be resurrected. They believed in that one, but this was literally demonstrated in front of them. But some of them worshipped and believed. Some of them doubted. But God never disqualified. Jesus didn't suspend them because of their doubt. Because Holy Spirit was at work in their lives. So my question is, what kind of evidence do you, are you waiting for? What else do you need if this happened to the disciples? But after that, Jesus said to them, wait. And he said, therefore, all nations, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end age. What did they say? Amen. We will do it. You just doubted. You didn't leave Jesus except Judas. How did that happen? That's the place, the work of the Holy Spirit, unless the power of the Holy Spirit come and open your eyes to see the depth, the life in the scripture, you will be filled with the head knowledge, but you won't be clothed with the, the power from above. Without that, you cannot make a single step for the gospel. That's why Jesus asked, wait, we know that one. They went left and right and uh, wider, uh, uh, far and near Jerusalem, Judea, Emmaus, and uh, all these places. You know, we can see that they were believing and step out in faith. That was not an illusion. In the midst of all kind of persecution and all kind of stories about his resurrection, somebody stole him, but they stood for the truth. Somebody snatched him. They stood for the truth. It could be hallucination. They stood for the truth. And they're willing to die for the truth because they were convicted. It's worth it. It's worth it. This is a test for us. Our conviction, by the help of the Holy Spirit, will enable us to stand against any odds and any persecution at any age. Sometimes people think this is the darkest, toughest time to live in the whole time because Christianity is under fire, you know, lots of persecution. And that's not true. If you, head to the, if you came and heard about Raju Sadashivan was sharing a couple, of, you know, a couple of weeks back about the persecution in India, goodness me, this is to a next level. But I'm not saying persecution in India is, is higher. Being a Christian in England is lower. No, everyone willing to stand for the truth will be persecuted. Never compare with the North Korea and yourself. Never compare with the Nigeria and India. Because when truth trying to express his uh, heart... The darkness will hit hard. The lies will hit hard. Politicians will hit hard. Different kind of agendas will hard. But how do you respond through the power of the Holy Spirit? Not because you are intimidated, but you are living by the power of His resurrection. Otherwise, fear will be fought with the fear. Hatred will be fought back with the hatred. Insecurity will be fought with the insecurity. But the power of resurrection is not that kind of version that will stand by knowing that my Redeemer lives. That is my confidence. It's good to read books. As long as it's that strengthening you, that conviction. 
It's good to listen to preaching as long as that's strengthening your conviction. But if that's taking away from you, you're trying to use your own tools to become something else. That is dangerous because God is the defender of his church. Your heart. Obey and live according to the Spirit. Alex sometimes asks a question, you know, he asks, he's a man of questions. He's a boy of questions, sorry. He doesn't have any mustache. I said man, sorry. He asks a question, Daddy, if Jesus rose from the dead, why is coming as a physical, uh, as it is, you know, as he appeared to his disciples? Then I was thinking like a goodness me. This morning, Jesus is here physically in this church. What will happen to the well church down there if they hear that noise? What will happen to the Philadelphia church or Emmaus church or Emmanuel church or or someone heard in America through somehow a Twitter feed, Jesus is here, you know, goodness me. They will come and take him. And we say, no, 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 Jesus needs to be here at City Church. Then all... Jesus said, that's the reason. The only solution is I will be with you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sold. He can be in America. He can be in anywhere. That is why Jesus said, I will be with you through my spirit. It was not because he didn't want to be here physically. That's the best solution for all of us. We can all enjoy his presence at the same time. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you a picture. And kids, can you look at this picture and tell me what this picture is about? And if you tell me the ear, I might go down to Sainsbury's and get something for you. Oh, Dan will get it for him. He knows for that. If you tell the date, don't Google it, please. Cheeky ones, you know. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay, give me a shout. 1969, somebody went to a kebab shop? Oh, went to Moon. Okay. Okay, who wants to go the next? How many of you remember the date? When did that happen? Neil Armstrong, that is, uh, yeah, that's the next answer, yeah. Which year? Uh, Oh, somebody said July, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 20th, you know, so Toby, I will give you, you know, so, and uh, some of you get, you know, so. Jairus, you know, so ask uh, um, Rich, you know, he, I think he's in charge of sweet distribution, you know. <laughs> no, no, just, uh, okay, so, but did that change your life? I never heard, thank God, they went to moon. They landed there. That changed my life. I never heard anyone saying this historical thing happened in the history, even though they were alive at that time, never changed anyone's life. Wi-Fi change our life? No, make it worse. Internet change our lives? Yes, there are merits there. Apps change our lives? Technology change our lives? Car, clock, There are things that actually made life worse in one sense. There are lots of benefits out there. All I'm trying to say, a knowledge and understanding about a historical thing happening in the history is not going to change your life. But, but, Jesus' resurrection was different. That changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. How do we know that? What what does that mean by that one? 
We will go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know. So it has it's a brilliant uh, 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 chapter to go through, especially when, I'm, when you're talking about uh, resurrection. That's one of the uh, chapters you can go through. And uh, if I take one minute for each uh, verse, it will be 58 minutes, you know. So as an Indian, English is my second language. I need at least three minutes for each scripture. I didn't hear any hallelujah. So that's why I'm jumping from here to here to understand what God is speaking to us. What does it say? If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It's gone. The purpose of our life is gone. Being a Christian is gone. There is no hope for humanity when Jesus said, go and preach the good news. What is the good news? Jesus died. He came down and lived in our place. And he took our punishment. And he died on the cross. That was not the end. And he rose again. And he is coming back. Whoever is believing in him will have eternal life. And you live forever, that is a good news. If Jesus didn't raise, oh dear, there is no hope for not just for Christians, for anyone. To anyone. Verse 14 If Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. Verse 15. If Christ has not been raised, we are found to be misrepresenting God. Or we are false witness. We are trying to sell some dodgy things to make money or becoming a cult or some sort of group. And we are saying this is what God said and never happened if Christ was not raised. He says not raised. We are false witness. Because we testify, we testify about a risen Christ. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still, oh dear. This is the worst. This is the worst. This is the red flag. You are still in your sins. Enmity with God. Living in darkness. Away from God. It is a danger zone to live. There is no, no hope. Thank God. He is risen. He is alive. He has conquered sin and death. That means our preaching is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. And we have the whole witness to stand and say, I'm standing with the testimony of God. We are the true witness to His witness statement and we are no more under sin hallelujah what a joy is all because he is risen and he's alive so we can have that confidence every day when we sleep when we wake up when we when we have breakfast or when we are fasting when we are going to the office or when we are doing the cooking whatever you do one thing you can from the depth of your heart proclaim, because of his death and resurrection, I'm alive. I'm forgiven. This is not like a Neil Armstrong going to the moon. This is historically so relevant. Not only that, this is life and death. That's why Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, what to believe? God, heal people? No. God, cleanse people? No. 
God did miracles? No. What is the word there? God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's not just the coming of Jesus Christ. It's not the declaration of the kingdom of God. He did all lots of nice things. God did lots of nice things in the, in the Old Testament also. But the resurrection of Jesus is so relevant. That is why there is an ADBC. That's why Jesus did. It is finished. It's a historical evidence. Romans 4.24 It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up from our trespasses and raised for our justification. Without, without resurrection there is no justification. Without justification, there is no sanctification. There is, we can't even talk about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us every day, making us more like Jesus. That is not going to happen. But thank God, He's alive. And verse 18 says, if Christ has not been raised, those who have fallen asleep in Christ were perish. No hope for Abraham, <laughs> Moses, Isaac, anyone believed in the history, believed in Jesus, died in the history. They are no more with us, but thank God he is alive. Not only that, the resurrection frees us from our slavery to sin, to death and devil. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 11. I'm going to read all of it. I'll quickly. What shall we say then? Are we continue to sin that grace may abide? But no means. How can we who dead in sin still live in it? Do you know that? All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. You know, so those, who are, those who have been baptized into Christ, Christ Jesus were baptized into, into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So baptism is not just a a religious ritual, the depth of baptism is huge. When you believe, it's actually, oh, it's, it's a tick box. No, it is actually the declaration and the demonstration or, and the conviction. You are so thrilled. If you are dead, how many days you want to stay in that position? The quicker you bury, is better. And if you're not convinced you are dead, that is the problem. The whole humanity thinks they are alive when they are completely dead in their sins. But when some people are convinced and convicted by the work of the Holy Spirit, the moment they understood, I'm dead. But the only way I can kill the death and I can be part of another death that paid my price. The only way from this death life to this joining with the, this death brings me to life. That is the place you declare through baptism, God, I want to be part of that. This death will take you eternally away from God. Bible says hell is not a fancy word. It's the last place God wants people to be. When you're dead in your sin, 
You are dead forever. There is no hope. That is the place. No humanity, no religion, no philosophy able to save you. That's the place. God came down and died in our place so that he can rescue us from this death. And joining us with this death, the end of his death, is not death, is resurrection and he is alive now. That is baptism. And we live. It's not to get a certificate. It's not to get a membership for the sake of somehow if I have a car crash, oh, I will go to heaven. There is no guarantee. But if you are trusting in the death and resurrection of God, and with that conviction, when you go down, whether it's cold or hot, whether it's two degrees or 20 degrees, whether it's a river, whether it's a, whether, whether it's a sea, you know, it is a declaration of you are alive in Christ. So I'd like to invite you, 10th of December, we have an opportunity. If you have not been baptized, this is an invitation not to get a tick box. This is absolutely prophetic declaration and joining with Jesus to be alive in him. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a res resurrection like his. Hallelujah. What a hope we have. We are no longer slave of sin, but instead we are slaves of righteousness. Give them the power of the Holy Spirit of God to obey Him and to be His instruments of righteousness. This is mind-blowing. Where we are incapable, where we are crippled, where we can't do it, Christ did for us. But God made it so simple by trusting in His Word. I don't know any other religion, any other groups make it so simple. What that says, God wants to see everyone getting saved. But that's the hardest point for millions of people. Oh, I need to do something. That's so easy, you know, trusting in his death and resurrection. Oh, God, give me something to lift some 550 kilos of rock. Give me something to go to that mountain. Let me damage my body and let some Blood will come out. Then I feel satisfied. Let me do some charitable work, you know. Let me feel good about my work. So now, God said you cannot save that way because it is an eternal separation. Only God can put you back. That's why Jesus came and died to rescue you from your death. The joining with her through baptism, we are alive in Christ. Worse than, but if, he, if Christ is in you, although our body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, what uh, uh, um, um, Steve shared this morning, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who be raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You can spend months and months in this just one verse. I'm not going to do that now. Next one, Jesus' resurrection ensures us that we too will one day have resurrection bodies. It's so remarkable how God is working in us. And he is the God of justice. Resurrection is a declaration. I have conquered sin and death. I'm in charge. There is no other thing in the history, no other event declared that way like resurrection. Because resurrection changes everything. And when we believe in Jesus, that's why gospel changes everything. Our response to that good news is our response, what God has done. Isaiah 11, we can see about a Davidic king, you know, set to rule 
with the perfect justice? In Acts 11, Paul was talking about time of ignorance of God overlooked, but now he commanded all peoples everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he was appointed and of this he has given assurance to all of us by raising him from the dead he's going to judge the world he's saying i'm in charge now not politicians not policies jesus is in charge jesus is the perfect jest when we see injustice right now you know you feel god how long Turn to the scripture. Turn to Jesus say, he's alive. He's coming back. And there's going to be new creation. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time in that one. New creation. Everything is going to be making new because of his death and his resurrection. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God will himself, God himself will, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away their tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Phil, you're crying in agony this morning. But in the midst of that, what is sustaining him? It's not ibuprofen. It's not painkillers. The resurrection power of God inside him, enabling him to shout, I want to worship Jesus. That's the place millions of people gave up God saying, why suffering? That is supernatural. I believe in supernatural walking from the scratches or walking with disappearance of cancer. Also supernatural, but in the midst of persecution and suffering, in the midst of pain, somebody standing and shouting like a job, my Redeemer lives. That is greater supernatural. What a privileged people we are, knowing this Jesus as our King. And the death was swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all change in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. Death now has no sting and will not be swallowed, will, will be swallowed up victory because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Death is dead because of Jesus. Christ suffered for our sin and satisfied the law for us. The sting of Death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Can you say that together? Thanks be to God. Say that together. Thanks be to God. Say that together. Thanks be to God, who gives us victory, us victory, through our Lord Jesus. We are victorious because of what he has done. I'm justified because of what Jesus has done. The biggest weapon the devil has against you have been diffused, disarmed, defeated, and destroyed at the cross. That's what he said. I have conquered sin and death. Goodness me, I love to preach next six hours. A place stuck in the train station there are hope it will be fixed someone will come the light will be fixed the hope is there but you can stretch your leg this is the world oh go do this one 
download this app, join this group, there is a hope. Okay, people do that one. The other end, things are getting worse. The door will be open. Nobody's coming. We don't know how you're going to be there. That's the place. God knew it, you know. So Alistair came and rescued Christina from there, knowing that there is no certainty in that hope. It is not the perfect example, but knowing that we are dead in our sins, there is no plan B. That is why Jesus came and died in our place, and he rescued us. Are we at home? She had some sandwich or soup. I don't know what she had. And she's alive. The death was swallowed up in victory. What's our response? I'm going to finish that by telling that couple of points. Worship. That's the place to start. The sting of death and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. And second one is, tell other people. Tell other people about this good news. That's what Jesus said. Go and tell them this good news. That's what in Acts 16, when Paul saw the slave woman, slave girl, what did he do? He just walked a couple of times. Then he stepped into that messy place, knowing that if you touch people's money, you will be in trouble. Full stop. That's the demonstration there, you know. He rescued that person. There is a victorious declaration. But what's the consequence? He was persecuted. He was suffering. In the midst of suffering, what he, what he was doing? He was not writing something against them. He was not preparing something against them. He was singing a hymn. That is the power of resurrection. When your enemy is next door, you know that one. You are not grinding your teeth, but you are singing. You are singing because of the love of God, because of the power of God. One person being rescued, the one person, he is suffering there, and he is still singing. That is the power of resurrection. You don't bring a case against that person because Jesus said, love your enemy. Pray for your enemy. That's a reflection. What happened? The earthquake. He didn't come out and say, I told you. What did he do? He reached out to the jailer. That is power of resurrection. You are not intimidated by the intimidator. The power of resurrection will enable you to stand and love both ways. And you will sing in the midst of that when you are really, really in pain. How do we respond to persecution? How do we respond to challenges when we really intimidate us? Bible say, pray for them. Pray for them. Love them. Pray for them. That is the power of resurrection. I'm going to finish by reading 1 Peter. Three to nine. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Can you say that together? Living hope. Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that cannot be perished that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, whom through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of his salvation that is ready to be revealed at the, at the last time. It's been inaugurated, but not fully been, been seen. In all this you are greatly rejoiced, Though now, a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kind of trials. These have come to so, come so that the proven genuineness of your faith or the greater worth than gold which perishes, 
even though refused, you know, refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ, Jesus Christ, is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. You love him. You love him. City Church, you love him. I know that. You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And fill with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Just check what comes out in you when you are intimidated. Inexpressible joy or something else. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, salvation of your souls. Let's stand. I'm going to read verse 58 and 56 and 57 together. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. This is verse 28. Immovable. Always abiding in the good work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Ban can come forward now. And let's read 56 and 57 together. And thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Let's read that again. And thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus. So I refuse to be intimidated. Because my Redeemer lives. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast. Immovable. Always abide in the work of the Lord. Knowing your toil is not in vain. Don't just go up and down like a share market. It comes up and down. We are not share market people. We have a great hope. He's alive and he's coming back. And we will be with him forever. And we can tell this story in the midst of suffering and persecution and intimidation. Let's worship.